0: Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Zwanz. And today is the 16th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Show favor, O Lord, to your servants, and mercifully increase the gifts of your grace, that made fervent in hope ...faith and charity, they may be ever watchful in keeping your commands. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, for ever and ever.
1: Amen. A reading from the prophet Jeremiah. Doom for the shepherds who allow the flock of my pasture to be destroyed and scattered. It is the Lord who speaks... This, therefore, is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says about the shepherds in charge of my people. You have let my flock be scattered and go wandering and have not taken care of them. Right, I will take care of you for your misdeeds. It is the Lord who speaks, but the remnant of my flock I myself will gather from all the countries where I have dispersed them and will bring them back to their pastures. They shall be fruitful and increase in numbers. I will raise up shepherds to look after them and pasture them. No fear, no terror for them any more. Not one shall be lost. It is the Lord who speaks. See, the days are coming. It is the Lord who speaks. When I will raise a virtuous branch for David, Who will reign as true king and be wise, practicing honesty and integrity in the land? In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel dwell in confidence. And this is the name he will be called. The Lord our integrity. The word of the Lord.
0: Thanks be to God.
1: The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want.
0: The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want.
1: The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want. Fresh and green are the pastures, where he gives me repose. Near restful waters he leads me, to revive my drooping spirit.
0: The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want.
1: He guides me along the right path, he is true to his name. If I should walk in the valley of darkness... No evil would I fear. You are there with your crook and your staff. With these you give me comfort.
0: The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want.
1: You have prepared a banquet for me in the sight of my foes. My head you have anointed with oil. My cup is overflowing.
0: The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want.
1: Surely goodness and kindness shall follow me All the days of my life. In the Lord's own house shall I dwell for ever and ever.
0: The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians. In Christ Jesus, you that used to be so far apart from us have been brought very close by the blood of Christ. For he is the peace between us and has made the two into one, and broken down the barrier which used to keep them apart, actually destroying in his own person the hostility caused by the rules and decrees of the law. This was to create one single new man in himself out of the two of them, and by restoring peace through the cross to unite them both in a single body and reconcile them with God. In his own person, he killed the hostility. Later, he came to bring the good news of peace. Peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near at hand. Through him, both of us have in the one Spirit our way to come to the Father. The word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God.
0: Alleluia, alleluia. My sheep, listen to my voice, says the Lord. I know them, and they follow me. Alleluia. The Lord be with you.
1: And with your spirit.
0: A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark.
1: Glory to you, O Lord.
0: The apostles rejoined Jesus and told him all they had done and taught. Then he said to them, You must come away to some lonely place all by yourselves and rest for a while. For there were so many coming and going that the apostles had no time even to eat. So they went off in a boat to a lonely place where they could be by themselves. But people saw them going, and many could guess where. And from every town they all hurried to the place on foot and reached it before them. So as he stepped ashore, He saw a large crowd, and he took pity on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he set himself to teach them at some length. The Gospel of the Lord.
1: Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
0: The first reading which we've just had from the prophet Jeremiah, um, it's pretty forceful. Uh, And it's enough to send a shiver down the spine of anyone who's been given any kind of mission to care for God's people. Listen to this. Doom for the shepherds, says Jeremiah, who allow the flock of my pasture to be destroyed and scattered. It is the Lord who speaks. This, therefore, is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says about the shepherds in charge of my people. You have let my flock be scattered and go wandering and have not taken care of them. Indeed, it is the Lord who's speaking, and he's not mincing words. The prophet Jeremiah, he's addressing the kings of Israel, these shepherds of his chosen race, who rather than gathering the people of God, they've exploited and fleeced the flock. But you see, there's a history to all of this. If you remember, it was Moses brought the 12 tribes of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, And with outstretched arm, God led his people through the Red Sea into the desert to Mount Sinai. And there God entered into a covenant with Israel. He would be their God. They would be his people. Well, things happen in the interim and the Israelites wander in the desert for 40 years. But eventually they enter the promised land. You know, the territory that the Lord had prepared for them these 12 tribes of Israel would settle down in this land of God's promise, the land flowing with milk and honey. And at this stage, Israel is ruled by judges. In fact, if you look at the contents page of a Bible, you'll notice that the sixth book of the Old Testament is called the book of Judges. And these judges over Israel were men and women who had particular intimacy with God and with his law. So they exercised leadership within the 12 tribes. Figures like Samson and Gideon and Jephthah and Deborah. They're all judges. Being ruled by a system of judges made Israel unique among the neighbors. You see, the neighbors, they all had a centralized figure who was the ruler and representative. They all had kings and queens. But not Israel. Israel was unique because the central figure the ruler and representative of the people wasn't a king or a queen, it was the Lord. Israel was unique because it was God's chosen people and God, not some king, was their ruler. As time passes and as Israel comes under threat from the Philistines, there's some unsettlement that happens among the Israelites because they start to look toward their neighbours and desire that their economic and political power should be consolidated and centralised. They want to be ruled by a king. So the people approach the prophet Samuel and ask him to anoint a king. And he's not at all in favour of having a king for the twelve tribes. He sees that the desire for a king is in fact a rebellion against God. It was the Lord who led the people and Israel was unique in its political structure of judges because it was God who gathered them together. God led them out of slavery and brought them to the promised land. But now, Israel wants a king. Now, Israel wants to give up its uniqueness among the nations and become just like everyone else. They want power and security. And that comes from having an earthly king. So here's the thing. God gives in to the people's request. He says, fine, have a king. But you'll regret it. The very things that Israel is seeking by getting a king, security and prestige and power. These are the very things that will be taken away from them. So Samuel anoints the first king of Israel, Saul. And it doesn't take long before it all starts to go wrong. Saul, David, Solomon, all the way down to Jeremiah's time. These kings, they're pretty disappointing. So says Jeremiah, doom for the shepherds who allow the flock of my pasture to be destroyed and scattered. The whole point of the shepherd was to keep the flock together, to keep them unified. Israel was unique among the nations, the chosen race. And the world should see by their example that the Lord was with them. You see, the idea was that the world would see this small nation of Israel and be drawn to them. Israel was supposed to be the light to the nations, the beacon toward which other nations would move, the magnet which would draw in the whole world. Israel was supposed to be a unifying force. But instead, the shepherds of Israel are allowing God's flock to be scattered and destroyed. So, you know what? Doom for those shepherds. In the face of the failures of these kings, though, God makes a beautiful promise. The remnant of my flock, I myself will gather from all the countries where I have dispersed them and will bring them back to their pastures. They shall be fruitful and increase in numbers. I will raise up shepherds to look after them and pasture them. No fear, no terror for them anymore. Not one shall be lost. It is the Lord who speaks. So God will take back his rightful role as shepherd. He will lead the people once again. God will gather the people from the far-flung places from which they'd been scattered. And this prophecy that the prophet Jeremiah makes comes to fulfilment in Jesus. God himself, who is the good shepherd gathering his flock under a new covenant in his own blood. Christ calls his followers together into the community of the church, and it's now the church that has to become the light to the nations. In the new covenant in Christ's blood, it's the new community founded not on the 12 tribes of Israel, but on the 12 apostles, and they will be the great magnet to draw all people toward God. The church is the new Israel, The church is the new flock, and it is God himself who is the shepherd of this flock. And there's a shift too. It's no longer ethnicity that makes one a member of the new flock. You don't have to be a descendant of Jacob. No, it's faith that brings the flock together, not race. What unites the new flock is baptism, We gathered by the shepherd and constituted the new people of God by being baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In the early church, there was a wonderful ritual that was performed around the sacrament of baptism. You see, the adult catechumens would be baptized and confirmed in a baptistry that was outside the church. And then there would be a procession from the small place where they were baptized to the church where they would celebrate the Eucharist for the first time. And while they walked from the baptistry to the church, they would recite Psalm 23, which you know we had as our responsorial psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. Fresh and green are the pastures where he gives me repose. Near restful waters he leads me to revive my drooping spirit. The early fathers of the church, St. Ambrose, St. Cyril of Jerusalem, St. Gregory of Nyssa, all these great early figures, reading Psalm 23, say, Look, this is all about the sacraments. Near restful waters he leads me. That's baptism. My head you have anointed with oil. That's confirmation. The great seal of the Holy Spirit that's given us. You have prepared a banquet for me. My cup is overflowing. There's the Eucharist. The mission of the Good Shepherd is to gather his flock, to feed and sustain them unto eternal life. In the Gospel of John, Jesus tells us, I am the Good Shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. It's the blood of Christ that unites us, the one chalice of the blood of the Good Shepherd, who laid down his life, who poured out his blood. And that's what we heard uh, in the second reading from St. Paul's letters to the Ephesians. He said this, In Christ Jesus, you that used to be so far apart from us have been brought very close by the blood of Christ. The gospel today shows us something of the heart of this shepherd hoping to squeeze out a little rest and restoration with his apostles, who've also just been on mission, Jesus sees this large crowd who've gathered to see him. And obviously there's something about this crowd. They're not there out of curiosity. They're not there just in order to assuage their interest in who this Jesus figure might be. No, it's a crowd that's needy. You can imagine a crowd of the sick, A crowd of the suffering. A crowd who long to hear and to have their lives changed by the teachings of Jesus. A crowd truly harassed and dejected. And what does the shepherd do? He has pity on them. Because they're like sheep. Sheep who need a shepherd to heal them. Nourish them. Cleanse them. protect them. We see something of the heart of the shepherd. He will pour out his life in order to serve and save his sheep. And so we can trust him. We can entrust ourselves to him. If we're willing to follow, the shepherd will lead and guide us.